Hi, I'm Josephine Hughes, and I'm the mum of two transgender young women who came out in their teens and early 20s. I tell the story of what that was like for me as a mother in my first series of the podcast. But so many people have asked me for my daughter's side of the story. They want to hear what it was like for them to come out and what it's like to be living as transgender women. And so my beautiful daughters have been the inspiration for this second series of Gloriously Unready. Because what is it like to be transgender in a world that in many ways is not ready for you? And how can you ever be ready to tell the people that you love that you're not what they think you are? Each of my six guests in this series share their own stories of coming out both to themselves and to others. You'll hear them describe the impact on them and their families and their thoughts on the decision they made to be honest with themselves and with their loved ones. And along the way, you'll also hear how their perspective on gender is something that challenges us all to think more deeply about the assumptions we make about each other. So first, here's one of my daughters telling her story in her own words. It's great to be here. It's great to have a chance to, to offer uh, an alternate kind of positive narrative to everything that's kind of going on at the moment. That's right. And that's what it's about. And uh, that's, what, that's what I hope this whole series is going to be around, is to be able to, to present, you know, the, the, the real sort of true side of the story and not what we read about. Mm. Yeah. So we're going to we sort of go through the kick off basically with I think what quite a lot of people are always really interested in, which is, um, you know, how did how did you know that you were transgender and, oh, and going. It, yeah, going in there straight <laughs> going away. Going with the big one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's an interesting question, and and I've thought about this quite a lot recently, just because of uh, you know every it's all in the news constantly. And you think to yourself well you know how did I know I was trans and when when did my journey begin was it when I first had you know thoughts of being slightly different when I was younger or is it when it actually coalesced kind of into into something that I could recognize as kind of being uh, being able to point at myself and go yeah I'm, I'm trans so the question of when did I know I was trans is is kind of hard for me and there is kind of two answers I guess first of all I wouldn't say I'm one of those people who knew immediately from very young that they were a girl or that they were a boy or that they were non-binary it took me a long time to realize that that's who I was but from ve- from young age I did know that I was different and that a lot of the stereotypically boy things didn't really suit me at all and that when it came to gendered spaces and the identity it didn't quite fit but then the feeling of why it didn't feel right I couldn't put my finger on for the longest time um you know pee and stuff physical education being put in the boys group with the ruffians on the football field and in the rugby field um it never felt right i don't know how things are all for everyone else at school but our 
social groups were quite segregated as well. It felt like it fell into you. There were groups of boys who hung out together and there were groups of girls that hung out together. And I always felt like I'd rather be playing with the girls who were, you know, playing make-believe on the swing sets or whatever, rather than the boys who were playing bulldog and trying to punch (laughs) each other. (laughs) It tried to skirt the rules on that as much as they could. Um, So for me... That's the earliest point where I now can look back and say, those are my feelings on being trans, was probably when I was sitting there not quite feeling right, Mm. feeling like I identify with those elements more strongly than perhaps someone who was cisgender would. But from there, it took me until I was about 16, 17, for it to truly start to coalesce into something that was like, no, there is something. This is more than just a gentle feeling of, of being different. At that point, I started to realise that I had a, a, a sense of depression, which I now know was dysphoria. And it's kind of terrifying at that time, growing up in the kind of 2010s, kind of when trans rights were on the rise, but weren't really uh, a discussed topic until the latter half of the decade. It's a terrifying feeling because it's a at that time, it was a feeling I had no words for hmm. and had no language to describe adequately, which when you're young and you're already working through so much is is really quite scary because I was waking up and I was feeling horrible about things and about the way I looked and about how I would act and what I would do. But there was no way for me to action on them at the time. What is this? You know, you can't get over the most basic hurdle. You've got to know your enemy before you can defeat it. I didn't know my enemy. I didn't even have a name for it. It was nebulous and a dark cloud over me, basically, which sounds very dramatic, but, you know. So at that point, I was in a very high school relationship with a girl, and this was when it started to coalesce into something much more as 17, 18 at the time, maybe. I started to to realise and we started to have discussions around it and feeling different. And then, because this is the moment I can always point to, like exactly then, at the time when I can go, oh, that that was when I knew, was we had a discussion and I think she literally ended the conversation with, well, as long as you're not transgender, at which point... It was the first time in my life I'd ever taken that word, which you kind of knew was a thing at that point in in culture, you know, a background thing. But it was the first time I'd taken that word and put it in front of myself and thought, this is me, I'm trans. It was a light bulb moment when you suddenly have the language to describe it and to apply to yourself and you look it up online and you start to realise what that all means. Up until that point, I'd had all those feelings and then suddenly in like a single day, it was contextualised into that's you feeling trans, that's you feeling dysphoria and not feeling like a boy, but feeling like a girl instead. Mm-hmm. So that was when exactly I knew, I think it was just, January. I don't think it was long after my birthday or something at the start of the year. Mm-hmm. And and then I went, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> I've done it. Well done. You've put this word in front of you. Now what the fuck do you do, yeah. basically? Yeah. There is some euphoria to it of knowing, yeah, 
that's me, I'm trans. Then you realise how much that means, especially when you look it up online. Especially at that time, there wasn't as many transgender resources and stuff online. You look it up and you realise just how difficult it's going to be. You're getting scared of how people are going to react. That initial rush of like, okay, I know, let's go. And you do want to go because you, with that clarity that you suddenly have and that I had, immediately I wanted to take action. I've sat on these for so long not knowing what to do or how to solve these feelings. Suddenly I know what these feelings are and I know how I can change them so I can move forward. So immediately you want to start moving forward. But that's difficult. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say there's, there's, there's a but there, isn't there? Because yeah, it's such a, a massive thing. I feel for the people who are growing up today, who, unlike when I was growing up, where it was kind of, oh, you were aware of it, but it wasn't a big thing. There are going to be a lot of people growing up now who are going to have the language from a lot earlier age. And for a lot of people, they're going to see that word and they're going to think, no, that's not me. But for mm-hmm. a lot of people suddenly they do have the tools from a much younger age and from a much, you know, a part to start exploring and start understanding whether that language applies to them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for the vast majority, for 99% of people, you're going to look at those words and you're going to think, no, that doesn't really describe me. But then for the people who it does describe, having that language is is a, a tool in its own right. Before you can do anything, you have to know what you're up against and what you need to do, how to define yourself. Yeah. So let's let's sort of fast forward a little bit. So I I, I can remember distinctly when you came out. You you were 16. It was just before your birthday. I mean, it was literally days before your birthday. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me, how did you feel before you you came out, when you were thinking about coming out? Because obviously, did you come out to your girlfriend first and then? Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, that was the thing was, and I think you knew must have known something was up at the time i don't know how much you knew but that relationship ended because of that because i came out as trans and honestly as someone who's just come out as trans to your girlfriend at the time it was perhaps the most amicable and affirming breakup i could have had because she recognized well you're a woman i'm a straight woman it's not gonna work which is a very strong affirmation yeah. of your woman. But very difficult at the time yeah. as well. We'd be going out for for two years, I think, and suddenly that ended. So it was difficult because at that point, I felt I had to explain to you why we'd broken up. And I think I, I can't remember exactly what the excuse I gave was. I think it was just it didn't work out, which is about as vague as you can get. You, yeah. I said to you, Oh, is there something going on with you and, and, and your girlfriend? And there was a very, very long silence, and, and that's when you told me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah. how could I explain otherwise? That, yeah. yeah, she can't go out with me anymore because she's straight, and well, yeah. I'm, I'm a woman. It was really difficult at that time, I think, because so much of what I'd known and so much of what had been stable had suddenly been thrown into upheaval basically this relationship I've had for two years even though it's just a high school relationship you know uh, it was a big part of my identity at that time and was suddenly just ended just like that everything I knew was gonna change and I kind of knew that I knew that I was gonna have to tell you and I was gonna have to tell my friends and it was really difficult it was I had a lot of dread at the time 
you're ent- you're entering a brave new world basically and this is the difficult thing for trans people is that your identity is changing so much at the time and you're telling people about this new side of your identity when it's not entirely settled so you're combining the fact that your social and home life might suddenly massively change alongside the fact that your core identity has changed as well nothing feels solid at that time and for me especially I did think you guys were going to be supportive, but I didn't know how long it would take and how (laughs) much I would have to insist, no, I'm trans, I'm a woman, before it settled, basically. And that's that's the difficulty, is knowing you will be supportive, but how long will it take before you actually see me for who I am? I like to masquerade as a writer sometimes. I like to think I'm very good at writing dialogue. But suddenly I'm thinking of the words I'm going to be saying to you mm-hmm. in the moment. And maybe I've planned for days. I think I spent at least three days each time thinking today's going to be the morning. Today's the day. I know for sure. And then going downstairs and having breakfast and then running out the door. Like, <laughs> so the, <laughs> finally... You know, I got the chance. I said, and that's the thing. I remember distinctly. I said, "Mom, you know, I've got, I've got to tell you something," and then freeze because at yeah. that point, you know, the threshold is going to be crossed. Oh crap! You're going to do it. You're going to say yeah. it. Here it comes. Here it comes. Here it comes. Here it comes. <laughs> and then I finally managed to do it. Like there was some initial shock on your side, definitely, because I think I came out before my sister. And I distinctly remember, this is very funny, and there was kind of a bit of quiet, okay, yeah, yeah. And I remember, and you were like, I'll give you a lift to school. I was like, yes, it's going well already. I'm already winning. I've skipped the 20-minute walk to school. At which point we go in the car, we're driving along, we go down, we drive the long road to school, at which point there's kind of a silence between us, you say, are you sure you're not a really feminine man? <laughs> And I was like, and sometimes it takes those outside questioning to kind of reaffirm. Yeah. And and it is like, no, that doesn't suit me. That doesn't fit. No, I am definitely a woman. Like, I, I'm mm. a trans woman. It, I always think back to that memory. And it does always make me laugh because it does think like, no, no, yeah, I know what I am now. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe yeah. before I was unsure. But when the, uh, you hear it repeated back at you, helps yeah. you reaffirm that even though I'm all in flux, this Mm. is the thing that's guiding me right now. It's that feeling that I have language for, that I can describe. Yeah. Hold on to that. Yeah. It's really interesting, isn't it? Sometimes that's, it's in conversation with people that, you know, you you sort of know yourself when people perhaps put up objections. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You can actually think, no, no, I know that's not true of me. For me, it's because I'd spent so much with these feelings in my head, internally debating them. And internal debates are really boring because you're just talking to yourself about it and you're hearing Mm. the same points repeatedly back and forth. So hearing you say those things is a breath of fresh air. Hello, Mm -hmm. someone else has something to say and that helps me like explore around it and, and figure out. And the truth was that I'd say that, you know, I knew I was a trans woman and all that. But that was definitely the start of my journey by so 
much and it took me so long to ever be comfortable with that label and to actually fully embrace it it's like i knew i wasn't a very feminine guy mm-hmm. and i knew that i was a woman but what that meant for me took so long to settle and to grow and to be honest i'm still not finished and i don't think i ever will be mm-hmm. as a lot of people never are when it comes to identity yeah because for you it's sort of quite a sort of gradual transition i think mm. especially um, socially well it's yeah. that classic thing of looking back now i think god i was young at the time I felt like the most adult person in the room Mm -hmm. but looking back I think yeah but I knew and I did know and it never wavered I never felt at any point even though I might have questioned what it meant to me and what being a woman was that the very base level never wavered and I never went back on that and I never Mm -hmm. thought actually no I am just a guy so there's this sense of you didn't have the words for it, you had the feelings, but being able to find the words for it enabled you to recognise what was true for you. And having yeah. recognised that it was true for you, it's a very enduring sense of this is me. It's connection is the thing. I remember particularly because uh, I think this was around the time of Caitlyn Jenner first coming out. Mm-hmm. And obviously, can't say I'm a huge fan of Caitlyn Jenner, but that connection of there's someone who used to be a man and is now a trans woman, that sense of connection to the idea and the language anchored me mm-hmm. and kept me firm whenever I felt people questioned or when people asked or like no remember that feeling remember how it felt when the light switched on and you had clarity that's why i can still look back and quote that incident exactly when i was in my bedroom and i heard the word and i applied it to myself because that's always how i can push away all the fears because i know you just you do just know when it connects and when it's it's deep in inside you like you can't get rid of it really no matter what happens like i could have pushed it away you know and i could have perhaps denied it for the sake of the relationship i could have confined it in a in in some other label but i couldn't switch the light switch back off basically yeah Yeah. i always remember you saying to me that you know the moment where you knew it was sort of like yeah I I know. <laughs> yeah. Once you know, you know, yeah. and it's it's as yeah, simple as that. It, it's like I said earlier about recontextualizing everything. It's having the the, the language is basically a lens that now mm. when I look back at everything, I think, oh yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Watching Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet, and there's a scene where Mercutio comes out and is in full drag, and of course at that age I'm like. People can do that. <laughs> he can wear a skirt and a bra yeah. and it's silver and glittery. Yeah. And look, at the time, you know, I'm 14 or whatever and I don't think anything of it. And I look back and I'm like, you should have known then. <laughs> <laughs> you really should have, you idiot. There will never be a set age when people know. It's not like people are going to get to puberty and then decide. Mm-hmm. 
for me, it was a post-puberty thing. Mm-hmm. For other people, they know when they're like five. Some people, they have been through, you know, decades and mm-hmm. then realise later in their life. Mm-hmm. I think it's so important to recognise that, yeah, our identities are fluid and that discovering them is never going to happen at certain times or is going to require certain things to happen, you know? Like, it's not like I held up a dress to myself or went, oh my god, this is it. Like, I had to have all these things building up and then have that the language as a lens to realise. Because I think one of the things that... I, I don't remember saying it to you, but I certainly said it to your sister, who told me that that they sort of felt like this as a young child. And I said, but I've never seen any indication of this. You know, you never said anything. You never did the archetypal girls things. You know, we had dolls in the house and nobody played with them. You know, blah, 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 blah. And I think that sometimes parents can think that, oh, you know, they haven't shown any signs of it. So, you know, Mm -hmm. there's this silly phrase, you know, rapid onset dysphoria. And that just doesn't really exist because you know listening to you and what you're saying it's just being able to find the words and that that can be a process that takes time for someone someone whose child has come out as 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 trans you might reflexively look for evidence of the opposite Mm -hmm. this big change has happened so you fall back on what you feel like proves that actually maybe this is just a mistake you know because that's a narrative that's easier for you to see. Yeah. And and then it suits it, you know. Well, of course they can't be a girl. They're into computers. Yeah. That's gendered male. Yeah. And, you know, I remember when they were really into digging around in the dirt and construction gear. So, <laughs> you know, they have to be a boy. And because we look for what's familiar and we turn to those kind of traditional gender ideas, we're actually... I can look back now. I was always terrified when I was younger with two older siblings. I was always terrified of listening to the music I actually like because I was scared that it was going to be seen as feminine. Yeah. And so I didn't listen to it pointedly. Yeah. So maybe if I'd been playing that music full blast, it would have been more obvious, you know, (laughs) playing Katy Perry on the speakers. like perhaps but it's not just the things that people do it's also the absence of things and so a lot of it's going to be internal yeah yeah as you say it's about this sort of gendered roles and the way that we assign people their gender according to what they do and I think this would be a really lovely point to bring in what we've been talking about recently with the with the voice um therapy that you've been having what you were telling me about your voice workshops was fascinating because it, you know, it, it sort of breaks it this this idea of a gender binary down. So I don't know if you can remember yeah. what you were saying, but it was when you were learning about the voice, wasn't it? Yeah, well, you know, everyone can tell. I have a pretty traditionally male voice, you know. Voice therapy is still ongoing for me. But I can switch into it at times when I'm comfortable. Other times I don't. And the beautiful thing, learning about voice therapy, is it makes you realise that you think it's set in stone and you go to voice therapy and you're scared because, you know, my voice is never going to be good enough to be feminine. I'm never going to, you know, I'm, maybe I can make a falsetto and, 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 and 
and then you actually get into the the science of it and the practicality of the voice and you realize how much of that is false you know we have the pitch and that and that's what people think voice is is they just think it's pitch they think that when i'm going through voice therapy what i'm learning to do is just turning up pitch um but then you also have the resonance uh, the brightness, the how the vocal folds, you know, combine to make the voice. And as you go through it, you realise that the voice isn't feminine or masculine. It's a bunch of muscles hitting each other to generate noise. <laughs> and when we go through voice therapy, what we learn to do is we just take the sliders and play around with them. <laughs> and by changing how our muscles slap into each other, we can become more feminine. But I'm not becoming feminine. I'm just turning up the brightness and the pitch slightly. Or I'm making the vocal cords hit each other at a different angle. Mm-hmm. And the beauty of that is realising how constructed the femininity and the masculinity is. You have a feminine voice, but that's just because it, it hits certain frequencies. That in itself isn't a womanly Think that's just frequencies and what we've come to associate those frequencies with or mm-hmm. how they combine. Mm-hmm. And it's really freeing because mm-hmm. who cares if my voice is slightly low or whatever. It's it's really eye-opening for me because it makes me realise how much of the gendered stuff that we worry about is just invented. It's how we perceive things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it always reminds me of the fact that to people who want to stop trans people, you know, a man wearing a skirt, what a horrible thing. And then you remember that the skirt is a piece of cloth and it's not that different from a kilt. Yeah. But a kilt is acceptable and a man wearing a skirt is, you know, a horrifying crossing of the gender norms. It's a piece of cloth and we assign it to be a woman's piece of cloth for some reason. Yeah. It's not to say that people who enjoy these things as an expression of their gender are wrong. I love dressing femininely. I love wearing dresses and skirts and and expressing my femininity. Mm. I find such joy in it. Mm. But, you know, I'd be as much as a woman if I never wore a skirt again in my life mm. or a dress mm. or I wore baggy jeans mm-hmm. and, uh, and a, you know, a blue jumper for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's blue, it's masculine. Mm-hmm. No, it's a blue jumper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, almost what you're saying is... From the outside, it's how people perceive, isn't it? And the meaning that they apply. It's been built up over centuries of culture. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that it's set in stone and Mm. that it's how the universe designed it. Mm -hmm. If it's a cultural thing, that means it's a thing that can change. Our culture is always in flux. Mm -hmm. Our perceptions of gender are always in flux. For for some people, I think it it might be a sort of sense of security and safety, you know, the way the world works, and this is the way the world works. Yes, and And it's not to deny people what they might get from that expression, Mm. absolutely. Mm. You know, nobody, I think, is going to succeed in erasing the concept of gender in itself. Mm. But what we can aim towards is a much freer form of gender expression, and, and one which doesn't it doesn't limit people, but instead supports them mm-hmm. and and makes them feel freer, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's about freedom of expression for me. Yeah. And I, I feel this so strongly. This is why I will never understand 
the argument of the, the the transphobes essentially because if you side with the transphobes you're arguing against the freedom of expression of gender expression mm. of being able to wear whatever you want and to be able to express yourself in any form that you'd like go wear makeup and be a man mm -hmm. go be born a man wear makeup and be a woman mm -hmm. be free to do that in a society that lets us express that. Mm. It's just the most beautiful thing, I think. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. why wouldn't we want people to be freer and happier? Yeah. To be safer in their expression yeah. and to know that, I don't know, yeah. it's just a beautiful thing, yeah. I think. So sort of what we're beginning to touch on, I think, is, is something else that we've talked about together. And, and I think, sort of, from my perspective as a, as a parent, is, is sort of seeing you growing into more fully yourself and, and what a really sort of freeing and joyful process that is and, and the same for your sister yeah. as well. I believe it's so important for people to be who they are and that yeah. that is what brings sort of joy when you're really being authentic to your true self. So I, I, it would be really lovely to hear what you think, you know, having made this transition. Because mm. so many people sort of think that, oh God, it's going to be really hard certainly as a parent, you know, that sort of question about, are you sure you're not a feminine man is, is sort of coming from that place of, well, I don't really want you to be transgender because I think that might be too difficult. It, be, it might be really difficult. Yeah. So and I think, first of all, it is difficult. And this for me reaffirms the fact that I am transgender and the fact that other people are transgender because why would you choose all the pain and the difficult parts mm -hmm. and the awkward conversations mm -hmm. if that really wasn't how you felt, if it was all... A show yeah. if it was all a fetish mm. you would not choose such a public and difficult process but in that process there is so much fun and joy and you get to re-experience life again in a way you you previously didn't think was possible and mm -hmm. never never once had a connection with my wardrobe when i was a man and never gave it any thought beyond I've got four to five blue black hoodies yeah. and I'm going to wear them every day for the rest of my life. <laughs> and as soon as I started transitioning, the entire thing was this new joy for me. Yeah. I learned and I still learn so much about fashion yeah. and how I dress myself every single day. Yeah. And it's and it's scary. Mm -hmm. And it is difficult. Oh my god, I'm gonna go into the woman's section of H&M, I'm going to stand there, I'm going to pull out a dress, and it's clearly not going to be for my girlfriend, it's going to be for me. Yeah. What are people going to think of that? Yeah. Oh my God, you're, you're a socially anxious person in their 20s, this is the worst thing in the world. But then you try it, you go to the changing room, and they're not paid enough to care, really. Yeah. So you go in and you try it on, and you're like, oh my God, I've never felt a piece of clothing like this before in my life. Yeah. And it's amazing. Yeah. And you go to house parties and you introduce yourself by your actual name. Mm -hmm. And people are like, yeah, right, cool. And they move on with the conversation. Mm -hmm. And you get that feeling of freedom again mm -hmm. and joy. That's me. Mm -hmm. They're using my name. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about me. We're talking about some random, you know, what happened at university this week. Yeah. But that's me. Yeah. They're to, you know, they were addressing me by my right name. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go out into the world. We went to America recently and I'm going to be in the line for the TSA and the lady's going to say, all right, come on through, baby. And I'm going to be like, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a woman. Yeah. The conversation gets so caught 
on the difficult side of things. Naturally, it goes towards the kind of life-changing decisions and it gets so focused on those and so focused on the end point and you forget that the entire thing is a journey and it's a process and you're learning Mm -hmm. and you should be allowed to learn. Mm -hmm. You know, it is essentially a second puberty Mm. except you're learning it by yourself and, you know, maybe not completely by yourself but it's on you to learn and to come up to speed with what it means to be a woman or a man or anything else as quickly as possible. We expect people to reach the end point as fast as possible. I know. Okay, you're trans, go. Yeah. Be passing. And and, and people are so judgmental, I think, of people, yeah. of transgender people who are in transition. I, I, I can remember when, when you first came out and I was in a... Um, I was out walking with a group of women and they were talking about someone who'd come out as transgender and they said, well, do they, do they look like a woman? And um, yeah. the other person said, yeah. no, no, they don't really look like a woman. They just look like a bloke in a dress. You know, didn't look feminine at all. You know, mm. you just sort of think, mm. you've got no idea. <laughs> and I think that robs people of the ability to just stop, just slow down mm-hmm. and just really take joy in what you're currently doing. Mm. And, and I do think it is a case of focusing so much on the destination and not the journey. Yeah. And I think that anyone who has trans children or someone they might know who's trans is to take joy in that process with them Mm -hmm. you can have so much fun with someone you will find that people are looking to enjoy it as well Mm -hmm. like if you have a trans child you can make memories that you'll never forget Mm -hmm. and some of it will be ridiculous Mm -hmm. and some of it you will laugh at Mm -hmm. because it's so silly i remember when we were choosing my name yeah And I hadn't chosen my name for so long. It was my sister. She just chose the name that she would have had if she'd been a girl. But we didn't have the same for me. So I'm stuck here without a name. And I remember we sat down and we're like, today's the day. (laughs) We pick the name. With God as my witness, today is the day. (laughs) And we sit down and we go to babynames.org or something. Or Feminine Names Are Us. And we have a list. It was triple digits for sure. Yeah, it was was the top 100 Uh, names for the year of your birth. Rose. Emily. (laughs) No, maybe. Emily. Charlotte. Yeah. Uh, No, no, no. No, you didn't like any of them, did you? (laughs) The shortlist was roughly three names out of a hundred. I, I don't even think we got. We even managed to get three. <laughs> I think, it, I was think just... it. I think it was two. Oh, really? I think it was two. Yeah. I think it was two. I just think I remember there being a choice in there yeah. at the end. And you can't say that many other people have had that experience. You know, if you had shut that out, you wouldn't have had that experience. Yeah. Then we would have been robbed of such yeah. a joyous memory. Take really take joy. Although, in it. although I'm going to, to I am going to interrupt it. here and say, yeah. <laughs> but you didn't choose from any of those names. Did I not? No. I thought that's where we got my no. name from. No, you said you didn't like any <laughs> of them. That makes it even better. That makes it even better. We went through a hundred names, and we I still didn't pick find lunch. one. And then you and then you came back and told me, what, and it wasn't for a while. I think it was. A, couple of months later that you said no I think it's going to be this I swear I was on that so (laughs) it's it's amazing how your memories differ isn't it yeah 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 yeah. but brilliant yeah Mm. let's go through 100 names not choose one yeah (laughs) (laughs) like imagine if you'd shut if you'd shut it out and instead we wouldn't have had that journey together yeah and instead of years of building those memories, it's small things like you panically asking if I knew how to put on tights. And that's like, oh, God, 
Honestly, doesn't know. <laughs> like, and we would have lost all of that yeah. and instead just had arguments. Yeah. Yeah. How much do we really want to argue with each other? We're quite strong-willed arguers, I imagine. <laughs> it would have been terrible. Yeah. I'm so glad that instead we've had seven, eight years of just joy and discovering and knowing that... I'm going to take both my outfits for this wedding because I know I know you will be able to tell me which one works yeah. and which one I should avoid doing. Yeah. And I would show you now, don't I, when I've got something new or yeah. you know, I can't decide on something. What, Give it the approval. Think? Yeah, gives the approval. And, and that's been sort of one of the, the fun aspects of, of what... Of transitioning. Yeah. And I think... I think there will be difficulty. There will always be difficulty. I know we did have arguments, put each other, each other in tears, talking about stuff like infertility and the likes of that. Just because we had joy doesn't mean we had difficulties. But if I didn't have those difficulties, I don't think I'd be aware of how good I have it. But I mean, I mean, it's funny, isn't it? Because you sort of look back and you think oh, you know, some of these conversations we, we would probably never have had, you know, sort of things like mm, um, yeah, yeah. before you went on hormones, talking about whether, you know, you'd want to freeze gametes or, you know, those, mm. those sort of conversations that you don't expect to have with, with your, yes, with yeah. your um, child. But, you know, and, and talking about adoption and, and all the sort of different things that are available and, and the sort of part of you thinks... What am I doing here? I never sort of imagined that we'd be in this place where we'd be be having these discussions. But then also, I think we are actually very close as a result as well. Well, I I think we're close. I know at this point, there is no subject I can't talk to you about. Because I feel like when when I had come out to you, what more difficult conversation Mm. could I ever have Mm. after that? We've talked more about infertility and adoption that I ever want to talk about again in my life. <laughs> <laughs> so at that point, what can't I talk to you about? Yeah. And I genuinely feel that way. Yeah. If it had been pushed away, I don't know how I could have trusted again. Mm-hmm. How could I have, have had the strength to come to you with other issues, difficulties at university or with accommodation or, you know, renting and stuff like that? You know, these are these things that could be embarrassing and difficult. Mm. And in that moment, because I was reaffirmed, now I, yeah, our relationship has come out stronger. Mm. And I know when it comes to the wire, you're going to have my back. Mm-hmm. I, I think this is what I always sort of find so hard when I do hear about um, parents rejecting their children because their children are transgender. Because you think it's basically people have had societal prejudice so ingrained and pushed on them that it's difficult for them to be able to get beyond that to be able to Mm. to sort of really find that connection with with their child because the way society's brought us up to think about gender means that people can be deeply prejudicial and that that causes them to actually go against what's almost sort of natural which is your love for your child is 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 yeah. yeah The reason people come out to their families first is because they need that affirmation Mm -hmm. from people who matter most to them, I think. I didn't come out to my friends first. You know, I kind of had to come out to my girlfriend first, Mm. but not through choice. And the first person I turned to was my family, Mm. because when your identity is so in flux and everything has changed so much, you really just need what you've known to be the same 
that's what I wanted more than anything when I came out to you. Yeah, yeah. Because I just wanted things to be the same. Yeah. I just wanted to know that I was still going to be able to come back after school. Yeah. And just be able to talk to you, basically. Yeah, yeah. And my siblings. Yeah. I knew I just wanted... I just wanted to be me with a with a different name yeah. and, you know, yeah. different interests. Yeah. But I didn't want to tear everything apart. Yeah. And I think... I think that's the thing mm. I'd say to any parent is your child doesn't want things to be different. Yeah. They just want things to be as they've always known. Yeah, to still have that love, still have that stability and, and to know that they're loved. Yeah. Which you are. What you've just said is so, so important that for parents whose children are coming out, you know, obviously, for me, it was just completely and utterly out of the blue. It was so unexpected. Yeah. You know, you could have told me anything. I would never have imagined in 100 years it would be that you were going to be transgender. Yet the thing that kept me going when I was in that sort of shocked phase, and, you know, like you said, yeah. you expected it. How long is it going to take for them to accept me? And I yeah. think the thing that really absolutely was my guiding light was knowing that you needed us. You don't have to understand everything you just need to say that it's okay you don't need to come out being the strongest trans ally and person who understands it from day one you know like okay this is new to me but the second you give that support we're still just... here for you <laughs> that's yeah. what you need to hear yeah. isn't it we're still we're still yeah. here for you i mean one of the things that um i think for parents that's so hard you know is the worry about do they truly know you know is this a yeah. phase you know there's there's all yeah. that sort of stuff that comes out and and you read a lot about yeah. oh you know it's social contagion you know that sort of stuff mm. and i can imagine you know if you've sort yeah. of got teenagers and stuff you might think oh you know all, all their friends are coming out you know they're, they're just coming out in sort of <laughs> it's, it's sort of like you know, solidarity oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but as you say you know I think, you know, one of the things that was really helpful to me was someone who said it's, it's the hardest thing is coming out. So for someone to come out, it means they've really, really thought about it. And I found that really helpful. So I think the thing yeah. about parents is they think, oh, they might change their mind. It was a while before you actually decided to embark on, on getting um, treatment. But did you ever think to yourself, oh, God, what if I'm wrong? And what if I, you know, I, I do all this yeah. and then I change my mind? Well, like I say about it being a journey and being a constant journey, I don't think you're ever complete on it. Mm. So you do ask yourself. I constantly reevaluate. Am I a woman? You know, it's almost like imposter syndrome mm -hmm. in a way. You know, I might go to my group voice therapy and see how fantastic, how beautiful everyone's voice is, and then suddenly think, am I really? You know, is that me? Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important. I think that's not unnatural and I think it helps reaffirm that I am on the right path mm -hmm. and so I can't say that I've never thought to myself oh my god am I doing the right thing mm -hmm. um, you know is this a massive mistake but if you know it'd be more concerning if I never questioned that and I just sailed on through basically it's perfectly natural to for someone's identity to grow and change in many aspects. Mm. I've had friends who have been lesbian and have then been bisexual and have then been lesbian again mm -hmm. or have then been asexual. Mm. I think it's really important to remember that 
if it is a phase and it is perhaps not their true identity and what they'll eventually be happy with that perhaps they'll get through that phase quicker if you let them explore mm-hmm. and if we if we let that be a phase mm-hmm. is it a terrible thing if that person tries for a little bit and doesn't like it when it comes to transitioning and stuff it is a constant journey mm. it is literally every day i am transitioning mm. i am doing different things i'm relearning what i knew so some of it i do transition and some of it i don't transition mm-hmm. you know like you pick and you choose and you learn what your identity is it is a phase in the fact of my definition of what i thought a woman was and what i was going to be at the time is so radically different to what i think it is now yeah it has changed mm-hmm. and it has more mm. and don't be completely afraid of that change i'd say that to both the parents and the trans person themselves mm-hmm. let that kind of go through you and you'll be at such a more zen state yeah. of life yeah so i think we've covered the bases haven't we yeah yeah <laughs> was there anything else you wanted people to know i think it's difficult especially in the current debate around trans rights it's it feels like to show even the most basic empathy towards trans people puts you in the eyes of the people who are against it puts you as a supporter of you know mutilation and such like that and it makes it difficult because it makes it really hard for people who are allies mm-hmm. and who are learning and growing alongside the people in their life who are transitioning it makes it really hard for them because you're thrown into the fire Mm. immediately Mm -hmm. by these people and so i think it's important to remind everyone that they're growing and that they're learning you might have someone who's transitioning who uses he him pronouns and you yeah you might slip up Mm-hmm. And maybe it feels a bit weird and unnatural. That's fine. We're not born perfect. Mm. We're not made perfect. And you're not going to adapt to the change instantly. And you're not going to be the best ally. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be the best trans person either. It's so important to remember that. It's so important to remember how much we're allowed to fuck up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And to kind of be a bit shitty to each other without being, without denying each other the empathy and the kindness. If you do that, you're already doing better than they want to allow you. If I'm at a house party and I'm talking to you and I say my name Mm -hmm. and maybe my pronouns and you go, okay, anyway, we were talking about what pizza we want to get. You've already, you're five steps ahead. To trans people you're doing great basically Mm -hmm. it's so difficult Mm -hmm. you can take it as slow or as quick as you want don't let other people influence that and influence you yeah don't feel like you have to come out before you're ready because if i don't do it now then you know what's gonna happen you have to ground yourself i love all you trans people out there that's all i'm gonna add (laughs) you're doing great keep it up (laughs) And I love you. And yeah. it's lovely to hear you sort of like 
come from that place of you know being grounded yourself and, and the wisdom that you've gained it's the most beautiful journey i've ever had yeah. and it has reaffirmed everything i love about life twofold yeah. being trans yeah i know myself so much better than i ever did beforehand mm -hmm. i'm so much happier mm -hmm. i can truly say that i am myself yeah. every day now mm -hmm. I don't have that dark cloud over me and I don't have the uncertainty. Mm -hmm. It's just joyful. It's just amazing. Mm -hmm. I'm going to cut myself off there before I start crying yeah. again, <laughs> which I know is good for ratings, but boy, is it intense. And I was going to say in, in closing just how I, I'm just so proud of you. How can I put it? For one so young to be so wise. <laughs> Oh, but no, no I mean, I, it, I think I think I think that's important to add is I'm not wise. <laughs> <laughs> I fuck up so much. I do so much stupid things. That's the thing. Well, as long as you don't tell me no, about it, then I don't have to worry about yeah, it. <laughs> no, but like you know, a lot of it's a lot of it's completely harmless. Well, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for for coming along, and I'm sure everybody yeah, will Thank really you for having enjoy. me. Thanks for letting me speak. Yeah, yeah thank you, and, thank uh, you, sweetheart. When the first of my daughters came out to me. I'd just finished a course of therapy, and so I phoned my counsellor, told her something unexpected had happened to one of the kids, and arranged to see her again. She thought perhaps it was about an unwanted pregnancy. But when I told her my situation, I still remember her genuine cry of pain, as she disclosed that a very similar situation had just happened to her. In her case, her grandchild had come out, and she was experiencing deep pain at the thought her grandchild had borne the burden of working it all out in isolation without family support. That day came back to me when I listened to my own daughter's experience of how, prior to coming out, she hadn't felt right. But I'd had no idea of what she'd been going through. And then when she came out, in my own shock... I didn't realise or understand the process that it took for her to reach the point of telling me. I wish I'd known. What parent doesn't want to protect their child from pain? We've talked about it since the interview and she observed that for me as a parent, my journey of transition started when she told me. Her transition story started at a much earlier point. It took, and is still taking, a while for this cisgender, heteronormative mother to catch up. I'm glad I've been able to be a supportive parent since, my guiding light in those early days, even when I didn't really understand what was happening, was to remind myself that the number one things my kids needed was to be supported in their exploration and to know that they are loved no matter what. Because the journey of discovering another person is a lifelong exploration just as we don't fully know ourselves, I don't think we fully know our children either. It's one of life's great pleasures to discover both those things that you recognise within yourself and your loved ones and those things that are new to you and unique to them, especially as they learn and grow as people. It's a delight to watch their personalities unfold. And so as a family... We all continue to discover more about each other and ourselves as we see ourselves reflected in our relationships. Mm -hmm.